0: If you take care of the health of migrants all over the world, you can improve the health of everybody. This is according to an article published in the medical journal PLOS, or PLOS Medicine, the first in a new series devoted to migration and health. I asked one of the series' editors and author of the first article, Kathy Zimmerman, why host countries should bother to regard the health of their immigrants as a high priority
1: when we're talking about migration and health, um, what we're talking about is public health and individual health. And there's a very large population of um, migrants currently. We have approximately a quarter of a billion migrants um, who are migrating internationally and approximately three-quarters of a billion who are estimated to be migrating internally. And so when people move, there's invariably health risks. The political nature of migration, has been to focus on exclusionary policies, protecting developed countries generally from people migrating with infectious diseases from less developed countries.
0: But what you and your fellow editors are saying now is that it is possible to look after the healthcare needs of a billion people. Is, is that right?
1: Well, what we're saying is that in order to look after the health of this many people, one has to stop focusing on the exclusionary policies and trying to exclude people who are going to migrate anyway and try to identify ways to protect individual health because by protecting individual health ultimately you can protect public health and global health better
0: right so it's not purely altruistic then there is a a global benefit for the countries who help with this is there
1: Isn't it nice that it works together like that? You can respect people's human rights at the same time as addressing very serious public health risks and needs.
0: Well, can you tell me about some of the nuts and bolts of this? What are you doing, in fact?
1: Well, this article in particular and this series focuses on the idea that migration is no longer – you're no longer able to see migration as an individual traveling simply from point A to point B. But the migration is a process, and it includes several stages of migration that pose both health risks and health opportunities for intervention. So what we conceive of for the migration process in this article and for this series is a pre-departure stage where certain – Environmental factors, biological factors, genetic factors influence people's health. And then there's a travel stage where the way people travel and how they travel is going to influence their health, the same as that's when pathogens start to cross zones, epidemiological zones. And then we um, anticipate a new. Um, Phase that is much talked about, actually, in health research, but much less um, discussed as a formal phase of the migration process, which is interception. And people are intercepted in various ways, specifically for the most vulnerable, usually. It's so refugee camps, asylum seeker detention centers, or asylum seeker programs. And again, there's health risks and health opportunities in those kind of situations that are being addressed but not well-recognized. Um, as part of the migration cycle.
0: Then, of course, there's the phase when they're actually in the new country.
1: Then there's a destination setting, which is obviously the most focused on of the phases, and then there's return, because circular migration has become a really standard phenomenon among migration experts.
0: So who are you trying to reach with these articles that you're writing?
1: We are trying to reach um, both policymakers and service providers, as well as researchers, because research... specifically since i'm a researcher i can tell you that most research on that includes something on migration is generally about an infectious disease that occurs among a specific migrant population rather than understanding the full range of risks and the full range of experiences and exposures now for policymakers it's really important that migration policy now tries to see this as a process of various phases because then you'll start getting states to work in multilateral ways and you'll start getting sectors to work together.
0: Can you give me an example of what can be done to make things? Just a a simple example of how, for instance, you can make things better and how things often do go wrong.
1: Well, I think one important thing is labor migration has become a very um, important component of migration. And... um, there are very very few programs that um, while while states recognize they high income countries recognize that they need labor migrants and low income countries realize they want their people to migrate and send back remittances. there are very few health programs that help them bridge between um, their home countries, migrants' home countries, and their destination countries. So insurance schemes are not necessarily transferable. The um, actual recognition of how many migrant laborers are, are not recognized by the visa scheme, so entitling people to health services, and as migrants wait longer, to receive health services, those who do have either chronic or infectious diseases, those will get worse and possibly be transmitted to a larger population.
0: So a lot of detailed planning needs to be done, and from what you're saying, it sounds as though if it's not done, then things can get quite bad, so there's an urgent need.
1: Well, I think that the migration field has been so bad at including health and the health field has been so focused on particular diseases that until we bring these together and bring in the labor sector and we bring in the social services sectors, migration is a multifaceted, multidimensional phenomenon and it involves many disciplines. And we need to bring all those together in order to make sure that people are safe as individuals and the public is safe.
0: So by introducing migration and health as a distinct subject to be studied and researched uh, are you confident that by looking at these five stages of, of migration that a lot more progress can be made?
1: Well I think there's a lot of politics involved in this and migration is something that is often known as high politics which means that it has greater influence and greater control than health. Migration Policies are set up to be exclusionary and leave people out, and health policies are set up to be inclusionary, and therefore, trying to get the policy goals somewhat in line with each other is going to be very, very challenging.
0: Well, could you give me a few bottom-line, simple messages then that that you want people to remember very briefly?
1: Well, I think that um, the migration policymakers and researchers should start to include the health aspects of migrants and the reverse. The health sector should start thinking more um, broadly about what they think of as migration, not simply a migrant who has been somewhere and arrived somewhere else. There are many, many more facets to that. And then I think the third message is that by attending to migrants' rights, and allowing them services we invariably will protect global health.
0: And you specifically have been working in gender and violence here at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. How does this figure in uh, this whole business of migration and health policies?
1: Well this falls straight into the category of main messages and um, approximately half of all international migrants are women. And I think we have to start first researchers, as researchers, we have to start sex disaggregating data. Policymakers must start doing that as well. And in in order to get the evidence to understand what the differential needs are between men and women who are migrating, and especially for the most vulnerable migrants, such as asylum-seeking women or trafficked women, there will be important issues regarding exposure to violence, reproductive and sexual health needs, and also the discrimination against women as not being head of household, so being able to make asylum applications or ever being interviewed. These will all be important issues, and and they have been for a long time, but have remained unaddressed.
0: Kathy Zimmerman from the Gender Violence and Health Centre at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. For Audio News, I'm Peter Goodwin.